Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, The Three Muslims. We're joined here with Brother Michael from TikTok, from Islam Talk. Can you hear me, bro? Yeah, we can't hear you, brother. Yeah, we can't hear you, bro. Mm. Might be having some uh, audio issues. Tell him to to disconnect and then reconnect again. Yeah, let me do that, bro. Let's see. Uh, okay, there. Yeah. Weird, it was working like five minutes ago, too. Yeah. yeah. Tough. It's okay. Yeah, I told him to leave the call and then rejoin. But how are you two doing today, beautiful brothers? Alhamdulillah, bro. Salam to everyone. Shouldn't the live start now? Bro, shouldn't I you change your topic? Nah, bro. <laughs> leave it, bro. I love it. SubhanAllah. What's going on? What's going on with you guys? Man, not much. Same old, same old. Alhamdulillah. Same, same old, same old. It's it's like that now already, bro. Yeah, it's been like that, man. Same old, same old. Shoot, sure, I, I like the beard now. Beard's filling in for you, eh? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Someone wrote, "I had a dream about Rami. He was in there only a couple of seconds long." What? <laughs> Umero, Andrew Tate became a Muslim again. Nothing's guaranteed, boys. You guys, you, guys are, about that. you guys are out here just that. on edge, bro. Like, we're, we're gonna make a response very soon, inshallah. Stay tuned for it tomorrow, brother Michael. Can hey, you hear There we go. Alhamdulillah, sounds good. Okay, cool. Now, without further ado, we want to thank you, Jazakallah Khair, for your time. And uh, we want to get straight into it. We want to jump into it, go into your story. Um, just roughly, you know, the few words that we've exchanged thus far. You mentioned that, you know, you came to Islam in 2006, right? Yes. But I'm sure it's not just like one day you just woke up and you became Muslim. So how was your story? Right. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, Bismillah. Um, it's kind of a, it's a long story. I, I always, you know, I was raised, like most Americans, it seems like nowadays, very secular. Um, you know, my dad, maybe he would be agnostic, really. He says he doesn't know, you know, I mean, he leans more towards there's a creator, but doesn't really worry about anything beyond that. <laughs> and my mom is nominally a Christian. So like most Americans, they're a Christian just because that's what Americans are. But she didn't really go to church or anything like that. Uh, but my dad's parents, they were the most like devout churchgoers I knew. And so I used to go with them on Sundays. Like I would go without my parents. Uh, because I felt this need to know God. You know, I felt like I need to know my creator. I, I want to know what I'm supposed to do in my life. Um, so I was going with them even as a kid. Um, and also, uh, my mom's mom, I'm very close to her. My parents had me, they were 20. They were still young, wanting to hang out. And so they would drop me with my mom's mom all the time. Like I spent all the weekends with her. And she used to always love like the old religious movies, like Ben-Hur and, and especially the Ten Commandments. And as a kid, I used to love watching the Ten Commandments with her. I used to love that story of, of Musa, Adi's and Moses. Um, and so I was always like interested in this idea of who is God. I was interested in, in prophets, like with, with Musa, especially his story. And when I got to be about like uh, 13, I was uh, having a lot of questions. You know, I was going to church with my grandma, you know, watching those movies. I had been reading a lot, uh, re like recently at that time, about mythology. You know, so I was reading about like uh, Zeus and having Hercules as his son, and, and he's having all these, you know, hero babies with human women. And I started to think like, well, wait a minute, uh, this sounds like what we're doing in Christianity. So I was like, what makes this a myth and Christianity not a myth, you know? And so I, I started to ask my grandma, because she's the most religious person I knew, I said, let me ask her all these questions, like, What's up with this? What's up with that? You know, what, what is the, what does God want from us? What is, what is up with the, you know, Jesus being God's son? What does that actually mean? And, and she said, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really worry about those things. Uh, she's like, you could ask the pastor, but you know, that really kind of bothered me because I said, you know, how do you 
spend this much time, you're in the choir, you go Wednesdays and Sundays to church, you're so involved, and you don't even have these like fundamental questions like answered for you. Like, how do you go through life like that? I was very frustrated. I'm like 13. And so, you know, I said, you know, I'll just get the Bible because it's supposed to be from God. So I said, I'll just read that and it should tell me everything I need to know. And I told my grandma that I said, hey, do you have a Bible I can have? And she said, yeah, well, the church gives you one. But she's like, really, you need to talk to the pastor. Don't read the Bible uh, on your own. And I thought, something's wrong here. Like, why shouldn't I just go be able to get God's book and read it on my own? So I didn't listen to her. I just started reading, you know. And uh, I remember I came, like, I started reading it. And I'm, I'm really liking some of the stories. There's some weird things in there that don't seem to vibe with the rest of the theme. You know, you'd have like crazy stories about like prophets doing these major sins after they've been so good and righteous and God has talked to them. And then they do something crazy at the end of their life. Like Noah, he's upon him. Like he would, they have him getting drunk after he's saved from the destruction of all of his people. You're going to go like do something like that. You know, it didn't make sense. Or same with Lut, Ali Salam, like Lot. You know, he's gets saved from this huge disaster. He sees all these evil people destroyed and then. You know, he gets, I don't know, drunk and seduced or whatever and all these horrible things about these prophets. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, so that would bug me. But I do remember reading in the book of Genesis about Abraham, uh, Ibrahim. And I was reading about him and I was thinking, like, this guy has it. Like, this is how we're supposed to be. Like, this is what a human being should be living like. And I was so confused. Because I said, I don't see Christians doing this. I don't see anybody living like this this direct connection to God and this, this life of obedience to God. Like I didn't see that. Hmm. I was like, we just go to church. We sing songs and read a story. And the preacher tells us some of his life story. And then we go about our way, you hmm. know, and, and there's nothing permeating our whole life. You know, it's just something you do on a weekend and you go back and just forget about God for the rest of the day. And that bothered me. And then also, it was like, you know, Allah's calling me, you know, they at about that time, the Malcolm X movie came out with Denzel Washington, right? And so I'm watching this movie and he's arguing with the priests and bringing up all these things that he has a problem with and they don't know how to answer him, you know? And, and I'm listening to this. I'm like, man, he's making sense, the things he's saying. And then A&E had this series also the same year, like Spotify. This series came out called Mysteries of the Bible. And they would go through things in the Bible that don't make sense. And they would try to make some sense of it or, or try to go through it. And I remember something really, really bothered me. They go, they were talking about St. Augustine. And they say, St. Augustine made up this idea of original sin for Christianity, that you're born with this sin. And they said he did it because he became a monk. He devoted his life to Christianity, but he still had all these desires. So he said, there must be something fundamentally wrong with people. Right? So he came up with this idea of, of original sin. And I said to myself, I, I'm like 13. And I said, this guy just gets to make up like fundamental things of the religion. I'm like, he's mm. not God. He's not a prophet. I said, this is, this is, I can't accept this. You know, this is really bothered me. You know, so then I, I get older. I kind of, you know, start to kind of, kind of move on. I said, maybe, you know, something's wrong here. I kind of lost interest, got busy with high school life, you know. And then when I turned 18, when you turn 18, you're about to finish high school. You start questioning life. You say, what is, my purpose here. What am I supposed to be doing? You know, and I tried partying, being bad. I tried being good, all these things. It's like not, not satisfying to your heart. And so I said, maybe I need to really give Christianity another try, you know, because we have this default, at least in, in America, like it's Christianity or bust, right? So you're like, I either got to be mm. a Christian or I guess atheist or whatever, you know? And I think that's why you get so many atheists recently is people see the problems with Christianity, and they said, I guess it just must be all fake, right? Or they must all be wrong. So they just leave religion altogether and just don't even give anything else a chance. And so I tried really hard when I was like 18 to be a Christian. I got baptized at 18 because I was Methodist. They make you choose to be baptized. They don't do it when you're a baby, like the Catholics or something. You know, so you say, I want to join this Christianity. I want to be, I believe in this. I want to be part of it. And when I was going to be baptized, they interview you. Like, why do you really want to do it? And I was so ready to do it, you know, because I've been, you know, pumped up. Uh, and right before, you know, I do the interview, something really bothered me because the pastor calls me in and he says, 
explain what you understand about Jesus, his Christology. Like, what do you see him as? And honestly, I, I didn't have a clearer picture. So I just kind of, at the time, I'm just kind of making up, putting what I think Christianity teaches. And I got done, and I'm thinking, okay, now he's going to correct me, right? He's going to tell me, oh, no, no, let me make it clear for you. He just said, okay, sounds good. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even have a coherent, like, theology there. It was all a, you know, mystery and, you know, <laughs> seemed like, you know, God has put some of his essence into a human or whatever, and he just, like, went with it. And, and so I went ahead and got baptized, but, you know, that stuck in my head. Like, why am I telling you? And you're like, oh, that sounds good. Like, you explained it better than, than I could have almost. So that bugged me, uh, you know, but it's, I put it in the back of my mind. You know, sometimes you have these struggles. You're like, let me put it in the back of my mind. And so I was going to church regularly. Uh, I was trying to be into it. I was reading the Bible again heavily. I'm still seeing some discrepancies. Um, I'm studying history and, and I'm starting to see problems too, where you see more human influence on uh, Christianity specifically. Um, and then I got to college and in college, I started taking like anthropology and in, in college, even I went to college, I started college in 2000, uh, not to date myself, but, uh, um, they were pushing already these ideas of like moral relativism in 2000. They're teaching you like, you know, whatever people feel is right is right. Uh, your feelings guide you to the truth. You know, it's kind of this emotional criteria for truth versus something concrete, something solid. You know, so that stuff starts infecting you. Mm. And I start looking at Christianity. And I say, you know, I keep seeing signs that it's man-made or so tainted by human beings. And so I thought, you know, what's the difference with me making up my own thing, you know? And, and so I kind of uh, left it. And I was thinking like anthropology, you know, and, and they would, we would do anthropology of religion. They say, oh, religion is just something humans make up to deal with the unknown parts of life, you know? So it's just a human created thing or whatever. And, and, you know, I didn't become atheist because I, I had enough of my fitra and I had enough connection to God. Because even when I was younger, I was always praying to God. I'm not praying to Jesus ever. I never thought, I didn't even get that from our church even, that you pray to Jesus. It was always like, pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. Like Jesus teaches you when he teaches you to pray, pray to God the Father. He doesn't say pray to me, pray to the Holy Spirit. Like directly, our Father. And it says our, it's like his and ours, not just him. You know, so I always had that that you know, only you worship God, but I just had so much problem now. I see in Christianity as something with human influence on it that I just kind of became a deist, you know, where I said, I know there's a God. I don't know what that God was from us. I don't know if he's really communicated to us or it's got lost in history or what. Um, so I kind of just said, I'll just be a deist and then I'll just kind of buffet my religion. I'll pick whatever I like, you know. Um, and I, I was into martial arts too. And so I did look at Eastern religions like Buddhism and Taoism, but I never, ever looked at Islam. I also looked at Judaism because I liked a lot of the theology. I liked the belief in one God. I liked the belief in prophets, but it was very ethnic centered, right? You got to be from the children of Israel. God only sent prophets to the children of Israel. And I said, that can't be the truth because it has to be universal, right? For if it's from our creator, all of us, it's got, he's got to be trying to get all of us on the guidance, you know. And so, yeah, I was just frustrated. I kind of just wondered. And then I met some Muslims in college, alhamdulillah. And they stood out to me because I was about 21 at this time. You know, at 21, all you do is you go to the nightclub, you get drunk every weekend. You're trying to get with as many people of the opposite sex as you can. You know, that's the 21-year-old life is, you try to, to live that social life. And I meet these Muslims and they're not interested in any of that. Right? Alhamdulillah, they were practicing enough where they were, you know, they're doing their salah, but we didn't know because they didn't do it in front of us. And they were doing Ramadan. And uh, when I'd hang out with them, you know, uh, and even like some of them, were, you know, some of them were girls, we try to talk to them and they're like not allowing us to date or we're not wanting to go out and they got to be home by nine or whatever. You know, you're like, what is this? Like, who does this anymore? You know, so it really made me curious. I'm like, what makes them tick? Why are you different from everybody else? Uh, so I start asking them, you know, questions. Uh, and especially when Ramadan came. Because in Ramadan, they started fasting. You know, we used to eat lunch together at the, you know, student rec center or whatever. And all of a sudden, they don't eat anymore. 
And you know, you're like, what's going on? They're like, well, we don't eat for 30 days or drink. And I was like, y'all are crazy. You're going to kill yourselves. Like, what is this? You can't eat for a month? Like, what, what kind of religion is this? They said, no, we eat at night, you know, but during the day we fast for God. So why do you do that? And they said, well, this is how we show God that, that we're, we love him. This is how we show devotion to God. And I was like, wow. I said, now that, that's how you worship God. I said, you know, you can't give God anything. God doesn't need anything from us. Even I knew that from my fifth row. And I said, but you could give up something from yourself as a demonstration of devotion to God. So when they did that fasting, they talked to me what they knew about it, explained it. I was like, this, this is something to this. You know, so I started asking them, like, what do you mean, God? Like, who do you, what do you believe in? I know you guys do Allah. I know that much. You know, I see Malcolm X movie. But I didn't know nothing about Islam, you know. At that time, I thought Islam was like Arabian mythology. I thought it was like Aladdin and Sinbad. And that was what Islam was. You know, that's all we knew. They don't teach us about Islam. You know, when, when I was in high school, we do world history. We do Egypt, the Greeks, the Romans. We skip a thousand years, don't say nothing. And then we do Columbus finds the new world. And I'm like, what happened that thousand years? Like, what's going on? Well, you know what happened was Islam. <laughs> you know, yeah, came out, you know, so. <laughs> um, so. I, I was really curious. So whenever I was in anthropology, I was kind of majoring in that. When I had a project, a research project, I picked Islam every time after that because the Muslims made me so curious. So I would do research on food taboos. I would do research on gender relations and all of these things. I'm picking Islam every time to study it. And I kept reading stuff and I kept like, it's making sense to me. I like it, you know, I, I, and I see parallels in the Bible. And so the, like the, about a year went by, you know, and then the next, you know, I had to go a project. I had to go to the mosque. Like they said, go to a non-Christian religious service as your research project. So I said, I'll go to the mosque because I'm so curious. All right. So I go to the mosque here in, in, in town. And uh, I, I came there like on a Friday afternoon after Jumai. It was like dismissal for the kids. It was chaotic. They were crazy. I don't know what's going on. I'm nervous. I don't know what the rules are, you know. And uh, I go ask them, I said, do you guys have any event I can attend? And they said, well, you just missed Juma, but tomorrow night we have a dinner for somebody had died, they had Janaza, and then they were going to feed the community, the, the family. And they said, come to that dinner. So I came to the dinner and I walked in and I, I loved it. I saw all this diversity, like so many different cultures and stuff all sitting together. And when I sat down, I sat between uh, a guy that was like middle-aged Pakistani and uh, a guy that was like a teenager and he was from, I think he's Palestinian, but he's from Jordan, right? And I was like, how is this so much diversity both in the same thing, the same religion, you know? So I was asking them questions and they, I would say, what do you guys believe about God? They tell me, I take notes. And I was thinking in my mind, like, I agree with this. Like, this is a good concept of God. He's absolutely one. He's not like the creation. You know, I would even laugh sometimes. So yeah, I said, other religions, they make him like a big old man in the clouds, you know, and the way they talk about him. And I said, this is beautiful. And then, you know, then I'm, I try to play cool. And then I, I, they tell me, I said, what do you guys believe about Jesus? They tell me, one, one other guy jumped in. He was like, you know, Jesus from Palestine, like me. He looked like me, probably. Not those white guys they put on the painting, you know. And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, I laugh and, you know, taking notes. And, and then uh, I asked them about what they believe about the devil. You know, because the way the devil's portrayed in the Bible is like, or actually in Christianity more, is like he's the king of hell and he's trying to get as many people away from God and, it's like this rivalry between God and the devil and Islam. It's like, no, God is in total control. There is no rival. Nobody can rival God. Just Shaitan is here to try to, you know, because of his bitterness and his envy, he wants to get us all to follow him to hellfire. And I said, that makes a lot more sense. You know, so God, nobody can even go against God. I mean, there's no, no competition there. So, so, and then they got up to make Salah. And I had never seen Muslims do Salah really in person. And they got up to make salah and they all got it. And they were at that place at that time, they hadn't finished the musalla. They only had the gym. So they get out these rugs and they go and they pray. And I sit there and I'm watching them. And I'm like, now this, this is how you worship your creator. Like they're bowing down, they're prostrating. I'm like, you know, you know, at church, well, we would, you know, sing and then we would sit and listen to somebody. Like, and we would make the hours and we'll pray. Ask God for whatever we want, you know. But I was like, that seems to be more for us. Like we pick the songs, we ask for what we want. But I said, this is something you're doing for God. Like this, it just really impressed me. Um, you know, and it was funny. Uh, we were going through the buffet, right? A after they prayed. 
to get the food. And the guy who was throwing the dinner, he came over to me and he like, he grabbed me and he was telling the server, he's like, give him a lot of food. This guy wants to be Muslim. And I was like, you know, and my, I was like, just polite, but I was like, what is he talking about? I don't want to be Muslim. I don't want to be, you know, any kind of religion or whatever. <laughs> like I, I already figured everything out, I thought. You know, I make my own religion. And uh, I sit down to eat, and the young guy, the teenager, he asked me, he said, so what is your religion? You know, you're not Muslim, because he knew, because I, you know, I talked to him about it. And I said, oh, I kind of just look at all the religions, and then I pick whatever I want. You know, I just kind of put things together myself. And then I was thinking, like, at that moment, like, it hit me. I said, like, I left Christianity. I was frustrated because it's man-made. And I said, and I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm like, how hypocritical am I? <laughs> I'm like making up my own thing, you know? And I said, maybe I need to reevaluate things. So after that experience, you know, I go back to the Muslims at college and I start telling them, you know, I really like you guys believe this. I really like, you know, I start asking them questions like I did my grandma. Like start grilling them. Like, what about this? What about this? And they said, you know, they said, we don't know our religion like we should. We admit it. They said, but... All you got to do is go get the Quran and read it. It'll tell you everything. It'll explain everything to you. And I was like, that's what I wanted to hear about the Bible. You know, when I asked my grandma, I said, let me just get the Bible. She's like, no, <laughs> it'll confuse you. But they said, no, just go get the book. It's from God. It'll explain everything. So I went out. I bought the Oxford translation of the Quran. I started reading it. Um, I got to, like, in a week, I got to Al-Imran in translation, right? And I was convinced. I said, this is what I've been looking for. Like, this book, this is my creator talking to me. You know, and, and something really struck me. Like, when I get to, uh, I always remember this verse is so, so like, in Surah Al-Baqarah, you get to, the, like, the 130s, like, 135. It says in there, Allah says, like, I translate, like, be Jews or Christians and you'll be guided. He says, say no. We follow the faith of Abraham. Hanifan, right? He's on the truth. And he was not one of the polytheists, right? Not Mushrikeen, not from the Mushrikeen. And I read that and I was like, thinking back, like, I wanted to be like Abraham. Like, I wanted to live like Abraham. When I read about him in Genesis, I like, I wanted his way of life. And this book is telling me, this is his way of life. Like, Michael, this is, this is what you're looking for right here. So I said, I got to be whatever this religion is. I don't care. Whoever has this book, this Quran, I, I got to be it. And I went back to the Muslims and I, I, it was Ramadan was coming. So I said, I want to fast with you guys. You know, so I tried fasting with them. I don't think I was doing it right. Like I didn't know the pip. I, I was still like eating until sun rises all the way. You know, I'm not, you know, I didn't, I'm a, I think I was drinking water. You know, I didn't know. I thought you just don't eat or something. And so, you know, but I was trying. And, you know, I was fasting with them and they said, why don't you come to the mosque and break your fast? Like come have it started with us. So I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do that. You know, I've been there once before. So, and this is like a year later because I went the first time mosque 05 and this was 06, Ramadan. And so I went to the mosque and I could pass maybe for like uh, somebody from Sham, like maybe, I, you know, people think like I'm you know, maybe Lebanese or something. So when I went there, nobody knew I was a Muslim. They just kind of gave me food, saying salam to me. I'm like, yeah, and I don't know what to say back, you know, and, and I sit down and I'm eating kind of by myself and, you know, I see people around me and I just kind of follow what everybody's doing. And then um, one of the people from college, one of them is like, she was a good friend of my wife. Uh, she had her dad come talk to me. And so her dad, he, he's uh, come and talk to me. And he said, um, I think you know my kid from college. And he's like, what do you know about Islam? So I started telling him, like, I like your beliefs. I, I, I believe there's only one God. Only God should be worshipped. I like your beliefs about uh, prophets, about Jesus. And so he's like, come with me to the office. I was like, okay. So we go to the, the office. And they brought like their board of administration, like their president, right? And he comes in, he says, what do you know about Islam? And I said, I, I love it. I, I, I like your beliefs. I, I like the fasting. It makes sense to me. I was like, I, I, I agree with all, all of the teachings. I said, I, I understand like, you know, everything you guys are teaching, it's in the Bible too. And he's like, so you want to be Muslim? And I was like, yes. And I was like, whoa, what did I just say? Like it just came out like my heart spoke for me you know and then they got all excited and they got me like a gift bag and i'm like okay what am i getting myself into you know and, and he was like you know he's like you know we just want to make sure he's like we're going to have you go out and do a testimony of faith you know shahada and he said you're going to say that nothing worthy of worship but allah and you're going to say that muhammad is the messenger of allah you know at the time 
I didn't know hardly anything about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? Because they don't teach us about him. He's like, they just skip over him. Though he's had like the biggest impact on human history <laughs> since he was, became a prophet, nobody teaches us about him. But I said to myself, I believe, la ilaha illallah, no problem. And I said, if Muhammad got this book, this Quran, he has to be a messenger of God. So I said, I have no problem accepting that. Even though I don't know anything else about it, I just know if he got this book, this Quran, he's the messenger of God. No other explanation for him. And so they took me out. I did my shahada. And it was Ramadan, like Friday night, Ramadan. There's like 700 people in the mosque. You know, and we're in Kansas here, but we, we still get a pretty good Muslim population there. Uh, and so I have all of these, you know, I did my shahada. I don't, you know, all these people come up and hugging me, giving me their phone number. I, I never had so many dudes hug me in my life, you know. And uh, it's just like, Go, I know, and I, I, I prayed to Isha. I just followed along. He showed me how to make wudu. I prayed to Isha. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't stay for Tarawih because I don't know what's going on, you know. And so I'm driving home. My head is spinning. I'm just like, wow, what is, what is, what did I do? Like, just, I'm like full of, you know, endorphins and adrenaline. And, and I just know what's going on. So I went home. And I woke up in the morning. I go out. My family's eating like breakfast. And I told them, hey, guys, I am now Muslim. And they're like, <laughs> okay, neat. Like, we don't. Like, we don't know what that means, but <laughs> like, okay, you know, so I was like, I don't know what to say. I was like, okay. <laughs> They're like, whatever makes you happy, you know, that's, that's fine, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I finished out Ramadan and I started trying to attend some classes. And, you know, the first, they put you in like Arabic alphabet, you know, but I know they, they always try to get Muslims to be able to read the Quran. But when you're in a Muslim, that isn't what you need right now. You don't need the alphabet. You need to know, like, Aqidah. You need to know what Muslims believe. You need to know how to practice. You know, so they put you in the alphabet class, you know, and I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm trying to learn Arabic. Um, you know, and you don't really know people when you're new. And so, like, my first year as a Muslim, I had some falling off, you know, because I had, you have a lot of bad habits to break that are not Islamic. And so that first year was bumpy for me. You know, I started off good. Then I started hanging out with my friends. They started pulling me back to old things. Um, start you start neglecting maybe Salah or whatever, or going out with them again. Um, but you know, I had something holding me. I, I wasn't as bad as before, you know, like totally, you know. But uh, kind of have this rough. And so then I I had a rough first year, and then that second Ramadan came, and I remember I went for Tarawih. Like I, I was fasting Ramadan. I'm, I'm trying to do Ramadan. I stopped going out with them on Ramadan, and I go to Tarawih, and I just broke down like first night of Tarawih, and I'm just like crying. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, you know. I believe this wholeheartedly, like no doubt. I need to go all in. Like I have to, you know, I have to quit being fake with myself. I have to quit lying to myself, you know? So I said, I got to do this, you know, I'm all in. So I, I, I went in, I was like, after that, I started getting really serious about Islam. And I started, I said, after that, I started, I stopped hanging out with my, my old buddies, except like maybe go to dinner or whatever, but that kind of died out because I couldn't go with them, do all the social things they want to do. I started going to the mosque, like I got, I joined a tafsir class and I, I was, since I had the biblical background and I was always reading the Quran again, um, I did well, like with the, you know, the, the chef, he would give us like a test or something. Like he saw, I have some potential. So he started taking me under his wing. Like, Hey, Michael, come over here. Let me, let me go over stuff with you. Let me, let me teach you stuff. And so I got really serious about learning uh, and, you know, and, and um, then they started putting me like to do. Like, how about with Dawa? <laughs> because they're like, okay, you know about Christianity, you know, and, and uh, they had this, we had a guy here in Kansas named Dr. Dirks, Gerald Dirks. He's written a lot of really good uh, books about Islam and Christianity. He has a book called The Cross and the Crescent. Rahimullah, he passed away a couple of years back. But, uh, and, uh, you know, he came and did a seminar for our mosque uh, and he taught us, you know, kind of like Dawa tips and how to give Dawa. And I was thinking like, in that moment, I said, you know, I have a responsibility because these are my people. I know their background and I'm learning Islam right now. So I, I feel like I need to get on board with this, you know, doing da'wah and calling people, um, which means I need to study more, you know, and, and all that. So I uh, started to get really involved after that. So I was going to the tafsir class. I started joining the da'wah committee and going to those meetings. And it was really good for me. You know, I started watching Ahmed do that. <laughs> um, so you get all those uh, devastating arguments. And, and because we're Kansas, we used to get a lot of missionaries come to the mosque all the time to practice on us and they would come in and they would just act like they're here to visit or they would act like we're you know they want to know how to make friends or whatever with muslims and 
this, you know, but then they would, you know, try to say like, do you know the NGL? We can show you the NGL, you know, <laughs> like, no, I know what you're talking about. You don't have the NGL, you know? <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'd have those discussions. And so I, I got pretty good at, at arguing with missionaries. And so then it became like the Sheikh would seek me on them. Like when they come to visit, he's like, oh, Michael, you go see those guys. Michael, go, go talk with those guys, you know? So, um, that kind of uh, helped build my, my, at least my debating skills. But also it was important in Dawa that we try to do it like the prophetic model, right? So I'm actually coming at it with concern for the people and wanting the people to see the truth, not just bash what they have, you know, and make them feel like they give up, you know, like I won. That's not the goal. The goal is that I show them the beauty of what we have and so that they're, you know, called to it and want to become Muslim, you know, so... That was kind of my journey. And then from there, I just stayed active. And then eventually, you know, I also, I was a, a teacher. That's my profession before. Now I'm an Islamic school principal. But um, I felt, too, with that ability to teach, I had, a, I had a, a duty to teach people in Islam, too. So I started doing youth, and the sheikh put me to, to do the youth classes. And so I started working with youth, which made me, forced me to gain my knowledge fast. Because uh, not that I'm, you know, not that I'm all great at knowledge or whatever, but you know, when you have to teach people and they come at you with questions, that makes you spend your free time researching instead of watching movies, or, you know, or whatever. So, so that was a good motivator. The Sheikh knew what he was doing with me. Alhamdulillah, you know, and uh, Allah bless him, uh, uh, you know, so. Uh, Alhamdulillah, so that's my story, really. <laughs> I think that's phenomenal, bro. And I want to know what the other brothers think. I could literally see Anhel's face light up too because he was Christian too, or Catholic, right? So I, I, I think like when his face was lighting up at times, I think there were like parallels that he could compare from his own life. Yeah, yeah, no, it was reminding me of the time when I was going to do the, uh, what was the thing called? I completely forgot the, the water. The baptism? Baptism. I don't yeah, know, yeah. my mind just went blank for a second, but the baptism, man. I was uh with my ex, my ex-fiance, and then as soon as we got in there, I've, I've told this story many times, so like if people watching this, they've been watching, they know. But brother, I, I was there, and then the guy was like, okay, repeat after me. Jesus is God, stuck for Allah. Yeah. And as soon as they said that, I was like, God is God. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, the, the person that was, like, holding on to me, they looked at me, and then uh, they, they didn't want to put me in the water, but, like, they put me in the water, yeah. and they yeah. held me under the water for like, at least, like, five, ten seconds. Oh, and, like, I knew, like, I was like, no, these other people, like, they only put them in for, like, one second. Like, I've been down here for, like, five, ten seconds. Like, they're trying to hold me down here for a second. <laughs> and it was just, it was crazy. But, like, no, nah, you're telling me the your story, man, it's, it's all linking for me. Yeah. It, and it was interesting. When I became Muslim, right, I, I started teaching at a Catholic school right before, like, they hired me in August. I became Muslim that October. I was scared to tell them because I thought, you know, they asked me when they interviewed me, they're like, are you a Christian? At that time, I was basically a deist, but I had been Methodist. So I said, well, I was Methodist. So I just kind of went with that, you know, get the job, you know. And uh, then I became Muslim like that October. I was like, I didn't want to tell them because, oh, they're going to fire me because they were pretty strict about it. Um, but, you know, all the time I'm working there, too, like they kept giving. No, bro. I kept getting signs that I'm oh, there like, we go, there we go. on the correct path. Like, they made their teachers study church history. You know, as so I go to church history, they talk about, like, well, you know, Jesus taught, you know, James in the Jerusalem church. Then Paul came along, and he wanted to change the religion, modify it for the, the Gentiles. And I'm like, so I'm hearing this. I, I secretly I become Muslim or whatever, you know, and, and I'm hearing these things in their teaching me, but it's reinforcing my Islam and my decision. Because they're telling me this history, like, okay, well, Paul, you know, he wanted to adapt it for the Greeks and the Romans, so he made modifications to it and adjusted it so that it would be more palatable to them, you know, and so I'm like, subhanAllah, like, they're reinforcing it. And even they would say, they talked about Prophet Muhammad, he's a big part of church history. So the church has to try to, they say, okay, he's a prophet, but then you say, okay, if he's a prophet of God, like, he's the last prophet, you, you got to get on board then. So what they do to get around it, they say, well, God felt bad for the arab people so he sent them guidance he sent them muhammad but he's just for them we already had jesus over here and we're good to go you know and, and i just feel like what man y'all don't even understand the the situation you don't understand like you're still on the from the jews the idea of god just picking ethnic groups to give guidance and 
and that kind of a thing. And I said, this is from our creator has to be universal. Anything else does not work. Anything else does not make sense. <laughs> so it, it was crazy. I remember I had a dream even I, I had, cause you know, I I'm getting into this, you know, these, these things, you know, I don't, Christians like to say they have a dream and that's how they get guided. I was like, the dream comes after I'm already confirmed. Right. I already know, but, and this to me also put a lot of pressure on me to take this serious. So I became Muslim October, right? In the first two months I was into it, right? Still reading the Quran and I hadn't gotten, you know, my fallen off a little bit, but that December comes and you're getting bombarded with Christianity in December, right? Because it's Christmas time. So that the, they're going to extra masses. I got to go sit there and monitor the kids while they're at mass and they're just hitting you with it. It's on TV all the time, the, you know, everything. So I'm going, I'm wondering, I'm like, you know, I'm like, if I did the right thing or not. So I said, I, I'm pretty, I'm sure. So I make the eye, really do I said, Allah, I, I know, I think I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You know, just make it clear to me, make me for sure clear. So I know I'm doing the right thing. So I make that dua, I go to sleep and I'm dreaming. And in the dream, I have water like coming up on me. Like I'm on the earth, you know, and it's flooding and it keeps coming up higher, coming up higher, coming up higher. It's like up to my neck, the water. And I see a boat coming. And on the boat is like four guys from the masjid. And they grab me and they pull me out of the water and sit me on the boat. And I'm like safe now. <laughs> so I woke up right after they're like, boom, woke up. So then I was like, okay, like, I don't know what else to do. I said, this, this is what I asked for. Like, show me for real. Like if I'm doing the right thing. And it's like, you know, this is showing like Islam is saving me from drowning in the dunya, drowning me, <laughs> drowning and being misguided. You know, it's like, but you know, I don't, I didn't base everything on the dream. The dream comes after I'm already convinced by the Quran. It's just, this is from Allah, maybe alhamdulillah yeah. mercy to keep me on the path when I'm starting to waver or have doubts. And I, but I think that too, I, to me, that puts a lot of responsibility on me. Like I have to not just be a Muslim, but I got to help share this deen. I got to help, you know, uh, promote this stuff. So, you know, that's why, you know, try to do the things I do online and, and teach in the community and all that stuff. Uh, I feel a lot of responsibility. Like Allah has pulled me out of the darkness into the light. I need to share this light you know, with everybody around me is whoever will listen, you know. Yeah, that's, that sounds like the istiqara prayer. <laughs> but I didn't know how to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's it's crazy that even like, even though you didn't know how to do it, you were so sincere that Allah answered it anyways. Alhamdulillah, yeah. How merciful, man. MashaAllah. But it, it makes you heavy. Like, I think, you think about the story with the kid, uh, the kid with the monk, right? And he asked Allah, he says, He's going between back and forth. He says, is the magician's way right or is the monk's way right? And these monks were Tawheed monks, right? They're not, they're teaching Tawheed, you know, he says the prophet of Allah, right? So he's like, which one is right? He asks Allah, he says, oh, and that beast is terrorizing me. He says, oh Allah, if the monk's way is the truth, is what you want from me, then let me kill this beast that's terrorizing everybody, right? And he throws that pebble, hits the beast, it kills it, right? So he goes back and tells the monk, the monk says, Allah has shown you a great sign now you have a big responsibility now, right? You've been, you've been, you have a huge responsibility. So I always think about that with my dream. I said, you know, it's not the same level, but still, like, subhanAllah, I have a big responsibility here. When, when you're given this, you know, you have to, you have to do something with it, you know? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So before Rami asked a question, I wanted to ask you something, brother. Yeah. When you decided to go all in with these studies and everything, and like really, really like do your part and actually be Muslim, actually learn more about Islam and everything. Uh, what did it for you, like in terms of like keeping you on track with everything? Because like a lot of people, you know, we we tend to fall off. We tend to have those moments where we have high iman, and then we have low iman, and then sometimes we're motivated, sometimes we're not motivated. Um, sometimes life gets busy, sometimes it doesn't get busy. Like what what allowed you to keep at it? Uh, alhamdulillah, really Allah, you know, guided me, but I think certain things like having a mentor, like the chef taking me under his wing was a big, big help for me because he's giving me stuff to research or he'd give me books to read. Like, you know, I, I would ask him something. He's like, you know what? Read that. He had his bookshelf. He'd be like, Here, go. You need to read this. And then we could talk about it. So having that mentor person, it was a big help. Um, and also like, I think putting, you know, being honest with myself, all, you know, and restricting, you know, like kind of cutting out a lot of the distractions, 
before I was Muslim, I was so into music and movies. Like I have like, I have this huge CD collection and all this stuff. And I started to replace that stuff. So instead of listening to the music CDs, I started getting like lecture CDs, right? So I, I'd be listening to, you know, some lesson uh, like, uh, you know, like stories of the prophets or something like that. I would listen to that while I'm driving around instead of the other stuff. Instead of watching movies, you know, I'd get on the Dean show because we didn't have, you know, when I become Muslim 06, YouTube was mostly like silly stuff. So I would go like to the Dean show and I would be watching that in my free time, you know. So kind of uh, removing those things, you know, like uh, like Sheikh Halal, my teacher, he, he said that. He said, you got a weed and you got a seed for your garden to grow. So you got to remove the junk and you got to plant the good stuff. If you just do one or the other, it's not going to work. Um, so I think doing that, but, but of course, I do still have ups and downs. I am a human. You know, you have times where you might burn out. I was talking to Riyadh uh, before we started, you know, and you'll have these burnout moments where, especially when you're given a lot, I'm given, I'm given, I'm given. If I don't refill my tank, I'm just stuck, you know, with nothing. You start getting like, kind of like, you know, you're like almost getting cynical or whatever. You get kind of so uh, burnt out or whatever. You start being like grouchy, you know, you start making... A step, you know, you start doing more attacking other religion instead of doing something beneficial and, and guiding, you know. And so, uh, having some opportunities to take some time out and recharge um, is essential, I think. Um, Interesting. So, you have mentioned mentors. Uh, do you feel like you've had multiple mentors throughout your journey, or has it only been like that one shape? I, I had two real ones, like Dr. Dirks as well, the, the author, but he wasn't regular. And then Sheikh Hilali, uh, uh, he was more regular because he was there at the mosque. Um, I would go to him. I, I would spend my weekends at the, at the masjid, part of it. Like I would go there. He would make me do the youth class. Then I would hang out with him, bounce ideas off him, ask him questions. Uh, you know, he, he would give me support. Um, and then also it helps to, um, my wife is a very good Muslim. So having a partner in life that is, serious about the deen now she's not one to go study heavily or anything like me you know we're different personalities in that way but anything i bring her of knowledge she comprehends it she pushes me like you need to be consistent you need to practice it she's very practical so she keeps me from being too theoretical with my knowledge you know so having a really good partner uh, is another thing that helps you a lot she'll catch me she's like you look like you're burning out like i heard your videos on tiktok lately you've been real you know, whatever you need to take a, you know, get some recharge and, and <laughs> you know, or you've been, you've been, uh, you know, you've watching too many movies with the kids, but you're not, you're not refilling your, your tank, you know, your, you know, that kind of stuff. So having a really good partner, uh, helped out a lot too. I got married. I was Muslim four years before I got married. So, uh, you know, I, I had the mentor and then I got good spouse and then keeping the mentor there, uh, for a while. Now, sadly, he moved to Dallas in COVID. Hmm. You know, the masjid did layoffs and they, you know, tried to marginalize him, like come with a, you know, put him to the side kind of thing. Cause they're like, well, we have to shut down. We can't, you know, do have a, a sheikh now. And so he, he got a better job at Dallas and now he's there reaching more people. Alhamdulillah. And, and may Allah bless him and that. But it's, I feel that uh, loss though of, of losing that mentor. I mean, I email him here and there. I've, I've you know, called him or text him once in a while. But it's, you know, when you had somebody right there, it, it, it's, it's different. But Alhamdulillah. Uh, you know, and people are now are asking me to mentor them, like uh, the youth and stuff come to me. And I'm like, they're like, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, I still want to mentor, you know, <laughs> but that's how we work. You know, you have these generations and you have somebody above you, you need somebody above you, and then you can feed the people below you, alhamdulillah, you know, and, and so yeah. on. It reminds me of in, in martial arts, we're supposed to, when we're training, we have to have partners that are. Um, not as good as us that are at the same level as us and that are better than us that we can be learning in all different levels yeah definitely yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but rami go ahead bro i, I don't rami, mean, man what are your I, thoughts bro you've been muted took so much i uh my my first question is actually what how was what was your grandma's reaction like <laughs> what did she say so i well i tell you about like my grandma the the religious one right she always didn't like to think deep on that stuff because honestly, I'll be honest, um, Christianity doesn't hold up to close scrutiny, right? It's a lot of feel good kind of slogans. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. For God so loved the world. He gave us only begotten son. It's a lot of this kind of slogan kind of thing, but it doesn't hold up to close scrutiny. 
So she didn't like to think about those things. So I, when I got really into it, her thing was to ask my dad about it, you know, so I, cause I would talk to my dad. I try to give him Dala, you know, um, you know, for my family being so secular, they see Islam as a lot of work. They just don't have it in them to understand like religion is you have to do something. Like I thought it's just God is your, you know, you have a love of God and that's all you do. And it's spiritual or whatever. And it's like, they see me practicing these things and having these rules and they're not ready to maybe take on that responsibility. You know, so my grandma would ask my dad and my dad would give her the arguments I gave and they would, they didn't know what to say. You know, he would be like, yeah, Michael says, why does God have a human set? Like, why is he having a kid? Like, what is the reason of that? What is the point of that? It doesn't even like, what is that? You know, and they're like, okay, let's not talk anymore about it. You know, and, and, uh, you know, her, her, her Bible study group was doing, learning about other religions and they were doing Islam. And so she was interviewing my dad, trying to get stuff for her class. And he's like, why don't you just ask Michael? And she's like, no, 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 no. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to get into that, you know? And, and then but my other side, the, my mom's side too, I was very close to them, very close to them still. Um, but they also, when I first got serious, they were kind of worried about me. They tried to have like an intervention. They're like, okay, you go to the mosque every day. You're fasting like, Mondays and Thursdays sometimes like what is this like you're doing all this stuff we don't understand you know and I just basically said I said you know you guys believe there's God right and they're like yeah I said so if you believe there's a God does anything other than devoting your life to God make sense like logically is there any other way of life you should do if you know there's a God and you have to go back to him and they just got quiet they're like yeah that makes sense. They just left me alone. <laughs> okay, do what you want. You know, do what you, makes you happy. You know, and I did invite them to the mosque one time too. I remember it, it was a compliment. I took it as a compliment. But my, well, they came to the mosque. We had like Akiga when I had uh, my son, and we had the dinner at the gym in the mosque. You know, and they came in. They watched us make salah. And then my grandpa said, "He's like, you know what your religion reminds me of?" I was like, "What?" He's like, "It reminds me of the Ten Commandments movie. Like you guys are like Moses." You know, so I think that as a, that's a good compliment. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, you know, but uh, you know, he just felt like he's like, you know, it's not, it's very noble. Like he had a lot of respect for it, you know. Um, but they don't, you know, still like you know, in in American culture, you have these taboo. You don't talk religion, you know, too much. You, know, you got to be really close to somebody to talk. You know, say don't talk politics, don't talk religion. So, uh, you know, when we get into it, if it gets heavy, somebody brings up the football game. You know, somebody brings up change the subject. You know. Uh, they're like, it's getting too heavy. They're starting to sweat. I make them think about Judgment Day. You know, they're like, okay, uh, how about, how's work going? You know, <laughs> you know they don't want to keep talking about those heavy topics uh, because you're, you know, if your heart, you'll feel it. You know, you say, okay, I, I should be thinking about this stuff, but I don't like mm. it. You know, it's, it's responsibility, you know, it's heavy. Yeah, that's sad, man. That just shows the state that the West is in. Where it's like our minds just it wants to throw this blanket over reality. Yeah. And everybody is just delusional, bro. Everybody is just living in this fake world, in the matrix, in the dunya, bro. And then when you start bringing the truth up, they start sweating. It's like, nah, bro, like, I don't actually want to talk about that. It's like, come on, man. How do you not want to talk about the actual reality? Yeah. Mm. Well, I, mean, I, I remember one of the, when I used to do the Catholic school, they, Christianity has good stuff in it too. Like, because it's, some stuff from Isa, right? But it's a lot of stuff from other people. But it's once mm. in a while they got nuggets that are really good and they have a long history. They've reflected on this stuff, you know. And I remember one of the priests said something, but I said, this is true, it, you know, for Muslims too. He said that everybody, it's like they have a, a hole in their heart that only God can fill. But they try to fill that hole with everything else other than God and then they're never satisfied. And I said, you know, even, you know, he said the truth, even though, <laughs> you know, it's not all on the truth. He had some truth in that, you know, and I said, that's, that's how it is. You know, everybody, they know they're missing something when they don't have a connection to Allah, when they don't have practices like we have. They feel that emptiness and they fill it with everything else. You could fill it with, even me. I remember uh, before I even, I was really into martial arts. I thought this will be my purpose in life to be martial arts master and pass it on. And, you know, and I blew my knee out playing basketball with my cousin and I couldn't do martial arts for a long time. And I, you know, that was a shattering moment for me because I lost my purpose. So I said, okay, if there's something that could hold me back from my purpose, this can't be my purpose as a human being. If there's something physical that can hold me back from it, this cannot be the, what I'm made for. So, I don't mm. know. <laughs> 
Damn. <laughs> Bro, that... Man, that reminds me, man. Like, these <laughs> brothers here know, because, like, before, before Islam, I was actually... I had found my purpose. My purpose was, like, going to be professional fighting. And, like, I was, like, training, like, all the time and then became Muslim. And then my first Ramadan was coming up. And I was like, you know what? It's my first time being Muslim. I don't think I'm going to do Ramadan because I want to be able to train full time because I got to be on point for for these fights and all that stuff. And then it's like Allah said, all right, bro, say less. Say less. And within, like, two days, I got this groin injury. And, bro, wallahi, for over a year, I have not been able to train martial arts the way that I was before. And I had the same, like, mind-shattering experience where I'm just like, oh, like, my purpose. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, yes, mm -hmm. I'm a Muslim, but, like, my purpose. My purpose was to do professional fighting. And then it's like I realized, like, damn, like, it, that, that, that can't be the purpose. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah, sometimes Allah, Allah wakes us up. Like, if we don't wake up on our own, then Allah will wake us up sometimes. And that's good for us. And, and, and that's, mm. you know, that's Allah wanting good for us. But when Allah wakes you up, sometimes it's rough. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but sometimes yeah. that's what you need. Like, you're not waking up on your own. You know, sometimes somebody can't wake up, you dump water on them, right? It's rough. You got to wake them up. You know, so sometimes if Allah wakes us up, then Allah, you know, but uh, sometimes if, if we wait for Allah to wake us up, sometimes it's a rougher, but it's good for us. If yeah. we get the sign, you know, if we get yeah, the wake up call. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if we ignore that, that's that's not good, you know, subhanAllah. <laughs> Man, it, it reminds me of this story my dad used to tell me as a little kid. He, and it's in Spanish that I heard it, so I might translate it not so good. Um, and the story goes like this, right? There's this guy, and there's a flood happening. So he, he runs up to the top of his house, to his rooftop. And um, as the flood's getting higher, there's this, like, rescue boat that's coming and, like, picking people up. And then he's like, they're like, yo, 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 come on, man. Come on. Like, we got to go. Like, there's a flood happening. Like, we don't know if you're going to be saved if you stay up here. He's like, no, no, no. I pray to God. God's going to help me. And they're like, All right, okay, cool, cool. So they left. <laughs> Second boat comes. And they're like, yo, 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 this is the second round. Like, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to have anyone else come out here. He's like, no, no, I pray to God. God's going to save me. Like, everything's all right. And they're like, okay, cool. Third boat comes. They're like, yo, this is the last round. Like, if you don't come with us, like, no one's going to come back to save you. And the water was already, like, almost at his neck. And he's like, no, no, I pray to God. Everything's going to be good. So, like, all right, okay, cool. So, he ends up drowning. And then he ends up, like, going to God. And he's like, God, like, I, I pray to you. To, to save me from the flood. Why didn't you save me? He's like, bro, I sent you three boats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that, bro. I remember that. Well, that's uh, the thing. Allah's a Latif, right? A Latif has that kindness, but also it's subtle. So like when Yusuf, when he gets out of jail, Allah didn't send some lightning bolt and split the jail open and bust him out, you know, some crazy way, right? He has the guy tell the king, I know somebody that can interpret your dream. So the real subtle. They go, Yusuf says, okay, but I want my name cleared before I get out. Alayhi salam. They get it, you know, he does it. They get it cleared and he comes out. It's very subtle the way Allah SWT works with us. But he gives you clear signs. You just got to read them. You know, it's there yeah. for you, you know. So, yeah. I know. And so the atheists are always like, I want to see God in front of my face. You know, like this is, you know, say, yeah. Ben Israel said the same thing. You see what happened to them, right? <laughs> you know, so you, you can't, you, it's not on our terms. And that's the thing with other religions. They teach you everything is on, everything God is doing this for you, God is doing this for you. Definitely, in Islam, Allah does so much for us. But you forget who's the master and who's the servant when you study those other ways of life. They're, they make it like God is doing everything for you. He's your genie. You call on him when you have a wish. You, you, you call for him when you need this, and he did this for you, and he did this for you. It's like, you have to do stuff for Allah. Allah gives you things, but he's not going to do it for you. You have to make that decision. You have to... To make your choice, you have to commit, you know, do those things. It's got to, Allah, Allah definitely, like the Prophet said, when, if you go to Allah walking, Allah comes to you rushing, right? But you got to do those steps, right? You got to do that walk, you know? So people forget that, get it twisted. Yeah. That's why you produce, I mean, those religions, they produce this secularism, this atheism too, because those people, they didn't get their dua answered one time, so they throw everything out the window. You know, even, I, you know, Girl, I, was, I watched that Thor movie, the, the new one, right? 
the whole thing is this guy, he's going to kill all the gods because he didn't get his prayer answered, right? Mm. But it's like, this is like atheist propaganda. Yeah. You don't catch it, but it, it, people don't get it. It's subtle, mm -hmm. but this is atheist propaganda. They're looking, they're saying, look, these gods are going to let you down. They're all, they're not real, basically. They're trying to tell you that, or they're not worth worshiping or worth, worth your time. Be your human, mm. live your best life or whatever, right? This is atheist propaganda. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, when I watch those stuff, I watch it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for stuff, you know, and <laughs> I'm making connections and, and stuff like that, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's, it, it, that kind of idea that, well, God didn't do things how I want it, so I'm not going to believe it. Mm. Like, what kind of arrogance yeah. is this, man? <laughs> you know? I noticed that, like, a lot of the things in the movie and film industry today is atheist propaganda or polytheist propaganda, the gods, it's always gods, it's ever God, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's subtle it's subtle but it's it, it, <laughs> to a trained eye you know we notice these things but yeah. most people it just goes over their heads and just subconsciously they accept it you know but they're not yeah. even like, aware that this is what they're feeding into you know yeah and, and even when they they have the other propaganda nah. too for the other things major sins and those kind of things yeah. also are pushed yeah yeah oh, it's dangerous for us for yeah. our youth yeah. i was gonna Tell say me, bro, even in the movies where they try to just portray one guy they kind of just butcher it yeah <laughs> yeah why did you call my name call me yeah bro, <laughs> uh, bro do you, you want to do you want to anything else you want to ask him uh brother michael before we wrap up i i didn't have a question but i did have uh something kind of popped up in my head when he was talking um about basically people who live in the like the secular society hmm. uh, it reminded me of a, of a conversation I had with my friend recently. He was telling me that, um, you know, if you do the math, if you like fully transform five people to fully accept this, them give dawah, they're full on dawah carriers, and then they each basically bring five more people. You're at twenty five now after a year or two years, right? And then they all those twenty five bring five people, and that goes on and on. After like eleven years, that would have been the whole world. Now, obviously, theoretically, that sounds beautiful. But why isn't that the case? And obviously, there are the people that are just not going to accept it. But I think there's another level nowadays where it comes to people, basically, it comes to people's desires. They are so almost comfortable in their life with their, their wealth and their, their just, you know, their, their comfy chairs, they're just chilling, sitting, eating McDonald's every day, whatever. They feel good. And when you come to them, and kind of break up their reality in a way where it's like, well, you, you can't sit for seven hours straight on your couch playing games and watching movies. You actually have to get up to pray. You know, they're like something in their head. They're like, I don't want that. Even if it logically makes sense, they emotionally don't want to get up and do that work. So I think that's a big part. And that's what you're, I think you're talking about, Michael. That's a big part when it comes to people and their acceptance or not. Like if you look at the elite of Quraysh, one of the big reasons they didn't want to accept basically to get rid of their idols and stuff is it, it brought money in, it brought traction in. Mecca was like the, pl the place to go worship idols. People used to do basically Hajj to yeah. the idols, stuff with Allah al Din. So they were making money. So if they denounce that, then there goes their comfort, there goes their basically elitism and all that stuff. That's why a lot of the, the youth and the poor who don't have this super comfortable life or some, someone who's close to their, you know, fitrah being intact. They're like, yes, this is beautiful. This is what I need. And it's only Allah who can really strip somebody of their basically comfort um, in a way that would bring them to the truth. Right. And, and you even have really good Muslims that they get that comfort to where they're not active, struggling for the deen. So they be Muslim. Maybe they even do their five salat, inshallah, right? But they do their salah and they go watch their, their news and they go to work and they go home and they just do this. They said, you could imagine like if the Sahaba did Islam like that. They pray their salah and they go to work and they go home. They do that. Like Islam would have never made it out of Arabia, you know? Yeah. And so we have a, we have this responsibility, especially Muslims in the West. Like we have a bigger responsibility because nobody knows about it here. You know I mean? I mean, alhamdulillah, it's better than even when I was younger, but there are huge gaps still between, you know, for people knowing about Islam like they should. I mean, even, and, and, and we also, when you raise kids in that environment, if you're not able to transfer your deen, we lost him. Oh no! 
I think sometimes it happens, bro, when the when the guests we have on, they get a call on their phone. Oh yeah, that's true. You know? But it should be should be good by now. Yeah. Well, there we go. Michael, welcome back, bro. Oh, sorry. I don't know where I left off, but I was saying, like, uh, even when we raise the uh, kids here, there's no safety net. Like, if you don't transfer your dean, there's no, you know, especially if we don't have strong communities. Um, mm. Even overseas now, when I hear from my, my coworkers, or they say even back home, the safety net is, is dwindling because they've been so influenced by, by this modern, uh, you know, culture or whatever. But, uh, you know, everybody's like, they always have that thing, like uh, one dollar group, they say each one teach one. You know, like everybody has, like you said, everybody needs to be responsible enough to pass on. Even the Prophet said that, right? He said, uh, convey from me, even if it's a single ayah, right? Because mm. <laughs> you might give it to somebody and then they take it and run with it or expand on it and, and so on. Even, you know, like the Muslims that, that I knew in college, may Allah bless them, nothing against them at all. But I would say I'm definitely more active than they were and they are, Right. I wouldn't have been Muslim if I didn't meet them, have good interaction with them. So they're sharing maybe in the good I do, but you know, they're, they're, you know, the people aren't always going to, you know, jump on it and take off with it. But, uh, you know, it's that kind of a thing where uh, we need more people to be active, you know, in this society. <laughs> so like you guys are doing something good with this podcast, whether you realize it or not this kind of stuff where you're you're spreading this to more people and reaching more people and you even the youth i told some of the the youth in our community i'm going to be on the three muslims they're like that's my favorite podcast that's crazy you're going to be on there you know but it's like you're reaching people and sometimes they don't want to hear it from somebody you know middle i'm, I'm 40 now alhamdulillah before they used to listen to me better you know <laughs> something about that as that age gap gets bigger then you lose some credibility with them uh, on some level, they say you don't understand us anymore. You know, but when I was in my twenties, they they listen to everything I say. You know, now I'm like their dad's age. They're like, oh, you know, bro. That's I want to say that before we wrap up, this is so weird because even like a few years ago for me, I would lose that relatability once they were like a little bit older than me. You know what I mean? Now I I seek more wisdom and knowledge from those that are a little bit older than me. When I talk to Shiuk, when I talk to Brother Gabriel, you know, I don't I don't see them as just because they're older. You know, they. They don't, they're out of touch with, you know, the dunya and the things that the fitna that, that men our age are going through, young men, you know. I see yeah. it more as, like, let me, like, pick at your brain, you know, and, like, save a lot of wasted time in yours, you know. Right. They say, well, they say the, the, the wise person learns from the mistakes of others and the fool doesn't even learn from their own, mm. you know. So <laughs> that's what you do. You, know, you take from those who've already gone before you. And that's, that's the way. Having those mentors, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Definitely. Hi right, boys. So, unfortunately, we do have to end it here. Jazakallah khair. I don't know why the whole comment section was, was debating on whether music's haram or not. I don't know why. <laughs> We're sitting here talking about how Muslims should carry dawah, and they're in the comments like bickering with each other. Bro, like relax. I'll do uh, that. I, I got a video on TikTok about that. If they want to look at, yeah, not to promote, but you know, <laughs> go I check out that. Talk, guys. Yeah, go it. check Islam Talk. Links, links in the description for all of Brother Michael's links. Inshallah, um, go on his platforms, and Inshallah, we'll bring him back in the future. Inshallah. Thank you, guys. Jazakallah khair, Michael. May Allah bless you, Nestle. Jazakallah khair, ended. With that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirah hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.